Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now, and I have episode 123 of the podcast that was originally recorded on July 25th of 2016. Yes, I'm a couple of days late, but at least I got this one in. So let's talk about some of the games I played for the week. A couple of games from Japan. The first one was Mask of Anubis. We got in a four-player game of Blood Rage. Our second game from Japan was a little card game called Jiraku. I played a little Shop Heroes on my phone, and then I talked about a few of the games I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi, and we are on episode 123 of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Hey, thanks for joining me this week, everybody. Send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can join us at Board Game Geek in our guild for some conversations. We're guild number 2440. On Twitter, you can follow me at what I'm playing now. Don't forget to drop the G, like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for what I'm playing now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign, what I'm playing now podcast. And then, of course, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Okay, let's jump into a few of the games I played this week. I made it down to my game store this past Thursday for our normal Thursday board game meetup. And one of my buddies, Eric, brought several games that he just got or basically purchased when he was and when he was visiting Japan over there with his girlfriend and some of the games he brought in that we played are really really outstanding so the first one that we played was a little game called mask of anubis i was really surprised that these games are actually in the board game geek database so it was really cool that i'm able to include some links for these so everybody can kind of see what i'm going to be talking about here if you would like to refer to those in the show notes but mask of anubis is a really interesting kind of co-op game that has a virtual kind of like reality component to it in that it comes with a mask that kind of looks like the head of Anubis and you're going to put your phone in there that's going to be running an app. The person who who's going to start off, they're going to look at the screen, they're going to shine, kind of like lift it up where you're kind of like looking at one of the lights that are on the screen and it's going to kind of teleport them into a dungeon. This dungeon then, they're what they're going to do is they're going to try to describe what they see around them, where they're at in the dungeon, how kind of deep the dungeon is, how long the corridor is that they're standing in, if there are any branches off to the right or left, what are up on the walls, if there's anything on the floors, and there's different things that they're going to see um, inside of the dungeon. And the people who are working with this co-op player who are not inside of the dungeon that this player is in, they're listening to the player as he's talking and describing everything, and they have cardboard pieces, which are basically pieces of the dungeon that they're going to try to put together and then work their way through. At the end of the game, after everybody has done this one time, and actually the first player will actually do this a second time, we were playing, I think, with three players, so the final player got to go into the dungeon a second time just to kind of review everything, just so we can make sure we were getting everything, and I don't know if this changes when you go into some of the higher levels. We were playing a couple of the easier maps, and we had actually completed the first map twice because we thought it actually had changed, but I don't think it actually did. So as the player's describing it, the people are trying to put it together. There's going to be a little dog character that at the end, once you're finished with everything, you'll pull the phone out and you'll then hit, you know, show me kind of like what the result of the dungeon and what the dungeon actually looked like. And it will walk the little dog through from the beginning spot where the dog is all the way to the exit. 
And if you've actually completed and built the dungeon properly, the dog should be able to move, not hit any walls, and it should be able to work its way out through the exit. It's a very, very simple concept. It's a really light game, I would say. It's definitely nothing that super hard or, or you know, anything like a Euro style game. But with the app and, and just standing there and being in this kind of like kind of like 3D world and with all the virtual reality stuff that's, you know, really coming to fruition nowadays, it's a really interesting concept. And we played this multiple times, had a lot of people standing around watching us play it because it's just you kind of do look a little odd as you're standing out there describing everything and one person's doing all the talking and everybody's trying to put together the pieces of the dungeon like I said, a very simple game, but a lot of fun. I, I'm hoping that this game actually will get released here in the U.S. I'm, I'm sure there's probably some places where we can get an inboarded copy from here in the U.S. and actually play it. I believe it does need three players um, to play the game. Well, actually, on BoardGameGeek, it says two to seven, but I thought I had heard in a couple of the videos that it was saying three players. I think it would definitely work a little bit better with three players, but you could probably do it with two easily. But it's for being VR and just standing there holding this the mask up to your head and looking around, you can look up and down and you'll see the different, you know, what's on the floor, what's on the ceiling. You can turn to the left, turn to the right. You can turn around 360 degrees and it literally feels like you're actually right inside of the dungeon. Excellent concept, excellent little game. The components for the game are pretty cool. There are actually some harder dungeons that I believe we were talking about and Eric was kind of telling us, which actually incorporate some other smaller components that we actually didn't even use in the game so i'm hoping he'll bring this one up to the game store again and we'll be able to get this one to the table again because we had a lot of fun playing it and this is a game i would definitely like to see played again i'm not really too sure how much more i can describe about the game this is almost kind of something you really need to see for yourself to really get a full understanding of it but a heck of a lot of fun if you're against using apps in games you probably won't like this one, but I really pity those people who are like that because this game is definitely one that would be on my buy list, especially if I can get this, get maybe like a U.S. copy of this one. Although the app did talk in English, so there were really no language barriers, even though we were playing the Japanese version of the game. It was it was one that worked perfectly. So if you know of anybody who has Mask of Anubis and you can actually get a chance to play this one, Definitely, definitely try to get this one to the table. All right, after that, we jumped over to a little four-player game, four player game of Blood Rage. So I had talked about Blood Rage last week. I had said my wife and I had played a couple of games. We thought the game was good. We didn't see what all the hype was for and everything, so I definitely wanted to play the game with three or four players. And I will say after four players, I can see why people like the game so much. Wow, with four players, can you just really start screwing your opponents over and just what you think you're going to be doing for a particular turn or a particular round can completely get turned around by what everybody else starts doing, where they're going at on the board and who starts invading before you or who starts pillaging before you. Things can just go to hell really quick in a four-player game of Blood Rage. So if you are somebody who really likes area control, if you really like screwing your opponents over and you really like that competitive type of game, Blood Rage is going to be definitely the game for you. I'm, I'd like to get my wife to play this maybe with more than just the two of us because I have a feeling she would like this one a little bit more than playing with just the two of us. I think with two people, it is a limit. it's a little limited because at the beginning of the game, what I think kind of like what I was describing last week, I think there were so many of the different territories that were open for us to go to the first couple of the first age, maybe the first age and a half, 
there wasn't a lot of conflict between us because we were going to try to, we were what we, I think what our strategies were that we were doing, we were trying to go to the different territories to actually beef up our cards and, and the tiles in front of us so we can actually have more players on the board at one time. We can have more rage. So we were going to the different areas so there wasn't as much conflict and just being able to pillage an area and instantly get the reward for it. We weren't getting any of the glory points for that because you only get the glory points if you're actually pillaging a contested area. So I think that was one place where I think kind of like the two-player game is lacking, where in a four-player game, the combat is much more in your face. The combat is there from the beginning of age one. There's instantly battles. People are going for the center of the board, and other people are just moving I think there was one turn somebody was trying to go for the center of the board. I moved all of my people in there. Somebody else moved a bunch of their people in there. And before we knew it, half of all of our armies were pretty much wiped out in Valhalla. And there was really not much we could do for the rest of the round because so much of our, um, so many of our points had already been spent to put the people on the board. And it was just crazy. Four player game of Blood Rage, I think is definitely way better. I'd like to try it with three player and see if a three player actually makes the game. If it's actually just as fun. I have, I, I kind of think it would be two player. I still think is a little weak. I think we're going to have to maybe work on that a little bit to actually see if there's any way we can make the two player game just a little bit more, more competitive and a little bit more kind of like more conflict is needed towards the beginning of the game. That's kind of like how my feeling is right now with blood rage. Definitely need to play it maybe a couple of more times, but so far, still liking the game. It's still in my collection, and if you haven't played it yet, this is definitely one of Eric Lang's better games that you need to get to the table. So then after that, we sat around, and I thought I was going to get out of the game store probably, uh, possibly a little bit early on Thursday night, but then Eric had pulled out one other quick game. He said it was a little bit lighter of a game, and I don't, I guess it was a little bit shorter of a game. But I don't know if I'd say this one was any lighter. I'd say the that the first game, The Mask of Anubis, was definitely the lighter game that we played for the evening. But the second or the second game that we had played from Japan that he had brought for us was a little card game called Jiraku. So this is a game where you're going to it's a trick taking game where each turn you're going to be trying to take the tick the trick and it's based on different shoguns that are out. There's also a center board placement where there's going to be where you're going to be kind of like building up armies and moving cubes around and it's going to be an area control type game. So there's a lot going on at the beginning of the game. Each player is dealt out a different kind of like leader and that lets you put your main Shogun helmet on the board, which gives you two points in that area as far as the area of control goes on your turn. Everybody's the lead player is going to lead out with one card. Everybody has to try to follow suit if they can. If they can't follow suit, they can play another card. There's also a ninja style card that if somebody plays the six, which is the highest numbered card in the deck, they can play the ninja and the ninja beats any six card, but it only beats a six card. So if somebody plays a five and somebody plays the ninja, the ninja doesn't beat the five. The ninja essentially only beats the six. The other thing that you're actually doing in the game when you're handing out the cards at the beginning of the game, before all the tricks start, people are going to look at their hand and they're actually going to take two cards out of their hand and then pass them to the players to their left. So there's a little bit of drafting kind of going on here because you really don't know what people are going to be giving you. And we were playing a three-player game, so we actually had 
I think, six cards in our hand total. Four were kept and then two were handed to us. So you don't know what those two cards are going to be. And I actually think we were kind of doing this backwards because I think we were keeping two and passing four. And I'm going to have to ask Eric about that because when I'm looking at Board Game Geek and I'm looking at some of the different rules on the cards, it says you're supposed to pass two cards. And I don't know if we were playing that way or not. We might have been. And I may be confusing this card game with another card game I've recently played. So I, we could have played this correctly. But after that, um, each player, like I said, is going to play a card for the trick. Whoever wins, wins that trick is going to then get to get some action points that they can do where they can put out more pieces onto the board into the area of the numbered card that they played, or they can actually take some action points and move some of their pieces around on the board to try to give them majority control in one of the particular areas that's on the board. Now, the interesting thing is at the beginning of the game, when you put out those helmet pieces, they're going to be more towards the right side of the board and possibly like the four, five, and six area. As you're going through the different rounds of the game, you're going to be wanting to move your pieces to the left of the board because each round at the end of the round, when scoring happens, the higher numbered areas to the left are actually going to be more worth more points in the later rounds. So at the beginning of the game, to the right is the higher numbered areas at the beginning of the game. And then later on in the game, to the left of the game board, the areas are going to be scored higher points in the in the second and third kind of like rounds because there's three main rounds altogether. The game is a really, really crazy game. At the end of each basically trick-taking action phase as well, you're going to be getting a couple of points based on uh, the person who, who won the trick and, and so on. So there's there's a lot of points that are going to be that are dished out during the game, and there was our game was actually pretty close. We were we started out really close together. A couple of us jumped ahead, and then everybody kind of caught up towards the end because one of the guys got the couple of the final areas with some really high scoring points. So it's it's a game that there's a lot of area control, a lot of the trick taking. A very good game. I've I've heard that you can actually get this game in the U.S. And it seems like a couple other people have done some video reviews for it on Board Game Geek. So check those out. This game is called Jiraku, and this game was released in 2015, it looks like, when when I'm looking out on Board Game Geek. I really like this game. I thought it was really cool. This game is a three to four player game. So this one you can't play with two players. And I'm I don't know how this one would play, especially with that area control. You really, I think, need that third person there to kind of mix things up. So I can see why this is three to four players. But Jiraku, another great card trick-taking game with area control components to it from Japan. So those are the games we played for the week. Although I do have one more game I guess I should talk about. So over the weekend, I actually was working a lot on computers, which is one of the reasons why uh, my podcast is a little late here. I got sucked into rebuilding a couple of computers and upgrading several computers to Windows 10, especially with the free upgrade expiring this coming Friday. I wanted to make sure that I had gotten all of my computers upgrade, upgraded and rebuilt actually one um, computer for a family member over the weekend. So while I was doing all the rebuilding, I actually downloaded a little game on my phone called Shop Heroes. And this is basically one of the games that is similar to all the other games or a lot of other games that are out there. But for some reason, I kind of got sucked into this one. This one has a really interesting kind of component to it in that you're trying to basically build up a shop of goods that you're selling to different heroes 
that are in the game, you can send these heroes off on different quests to get different items that you're going to need and resources to actually build better items in the game. You're trying to expand your shop. You have a city then that you're trying to expand as well in the city. The different buildings that you're going to be expanding are going to unlock different quests and different levels for the different characters for your heroes. So there's quite a bit going on in the game. There's almost like the little role-playing component where you're sending off your, your heroes to the dungeon. There's a component where you're just doing a lot of resource gathering and then building of goods. And you're starting off able to build weapons, able to build different bows and arrows, able to then supply some of the heroes with healing goods. You're then trying to expand and add more people to your shop to be able to expand into building like light armor, like cloth armor, as well as various other goods as well. So all during the while you're trying to do that, like I said, you also have to spend money in building out the buildings in your city. There's, I think in our map, we have five players currently playing and I had started my own city and four other people had came come in and they kind of like joined up with me and we're all kind of building everything together. So there's a big co-op component. There's also a little PVP part in the game where you can send your heroes out and actually fight other heroes, which I've only done a little bit. I haven't really gotten too much into that. That gives you a whole different type of currency. So it's it's a game where you're kind of just clicking on everything and expanding everything like so many of the other games. But for some reason, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole while I was working on all of the computers this weekend. And in between installing Windows, reinstalling Windows, and updating this or updating that, I kind of fell down a rabbit hole and was just playing this on the side or had it up constantly next to me while I was just working on everything and was just clicking everything on the screen and just trying to supply the heroes with the best weapons and expanding what I can build and everything. So if you're looking for a little fun, just a little time waster, I'm kind of getting close to the end of the game right now for me already. I'm not too sure how much longer I'm going to be playing it. It kind of has already outlived its welcome to me because it just seems that the more you play it the more you have to play it and the more it kind of just wants to pull money out of you which i just don't like doing so we'll see how much longer i'm playing shop heroes but this also reminds me of a game that was out on steam that i was looking at where you're doing a similar type of thing where you're building a shop but that player that one's just a single player game and i'm hoping that they actually maybe build out a kind of like multiplayer component to that i think that would really make me actually purchase that game then because i've really been putting off on on purchasing that one since it is just a single player game and i think having two players in that would be a lot of fun so the little game i was playing on my phone was shop heroes if you're looking for something as just a nice little clicking time waster definitely check it out but it will probably only last you about a weekend or a week at most and then you will probably be moving on to something else so those are the games i played for the week let's chat a little bit about a few of the games that i want to play I was looking at some of the new releases that were coming out on BoardGameGeek under some of their newsletters. One of the games that I had noticed out there was The Crow, Fire It Up. This is a game being put out by Upper Deck. I believe it's a card game. I was a huge fan of the original Crow when it came out. I will definitely want to check this game out, but considering it's from Upper Deck, I believe, I'm not really too sure how this game is. So my hopes for it being a great Crow game just aren't there right now. But it is definitely something that I wouldn't mind playing and I would definitely like to check out. One of the other games that I've actually been talking about with a bunch of the different people from down at the game store, having some conversations over Facebook on and stuff, is a very popular game 
that people have been talking about a lot lately, which I believe is going to be released and available at Gen Con. That's Cry Havoc. I believe that's from Portal Games. This game is a sci-fi game that has some very nice components to it. Looks to be a very, very nice strategy game, some area control in it. And this is a game that I will be checking out while I am at Gen Con. And if it is as good as everybody is saying it is, I will be picking this one up and adding it to my collection. But Cry Havoc is one that really looks very interesting and one that I'm kind of interested in. And then right before I actually started recording today's podcast, I was looking around on Facebook and somebody had actually posted a link to Fantasy Flight's website and a new post that they had just put out there. I believe, I don't know if it was today or not, but it was an update for Mansions of Madness. They're actually releasing a second edition and this second edition is actually going to have an app where you don't need to have a player playing as the as the person in the game the app will take over for you just like a lot of other apps have been doing lately which i think is a great idea i think descent has come up with this where you don't have to have kind of like that dm type of player anymore they're letting an app do all of that type of work for you so mansions of madness is one that i've actually looked at before down at my game store i've actually never had a chance to play it so now with the second edition coming out with this app I am very intrigued at as to this game because I'm a huge HP Lovecraft fan. So I I have all of the all of the Eldritch Horrors behind me and pretty much all of the well I have all of the expansions but the latest one that one is on my list of to get it or my list to get here soon and I just haven't had a chance to pick it up but I do have all the other expansions for that. So Mansions of Madness is one that I'm really interested in now, especially with the app because I do like games with the app and if you can take and if and if they can actually incorporate into the app kind of like this dummy player who can kind of like kind of control everything and do kind of like the DM part or what you know what the player actually did in the game. I think that's really interesting and would be really fun to try out. So that is it for the week. I'm going to try to record another episode before I head to Gen Con next week. Probably just talk about some of the, some more games that I played as well as maybe some of the games that I'm looking some more of the games that I'm looking forward to possibly picking up while I'm at Gen Con. So as always, let me know what you're playing now. Send me some emails at what I'm playing now at gmail.com you can join us in some conversations over on our board game geek guild which is 2440 on twitter you can follow me at what i'm playing now don't forget to drop the g our facebook page just do a search on facebook for what i'm playing now on google plus we are plus.google.com slash the plus sign what i'm playing now podcast and then as always our twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what i'm playing now hey everybody thanks for joining me for another episode of the podcast i'll be back next week like i said with some more games and some more gen con talk probably, or some pre-Gen Con talk. But until then, you know what you need to do. You need to go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now. Thanks for joining me, everybody. You have a great week, and we will see you later. Bye-bye.